It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA, from the Tri Cities to Olivia to DC, we break down, break it all down the stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. And welcome back to the Bottom Line News Radio 610 KONA. It's hour number two, Tuesday afternoon. Rob Francis, Greg Neft joining you. And going right to the phones, as with us on the line is Emily from the Washington State Tea Room. And Emily, first of all, thank you for your time this afternoon. Appreciate you joining us. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about the Washington State Tea Room. How did this group come together, and what is the goal? Well, you're very welcome. Thank you for having us on. Um, the Washington State Tea Room came together last year. I I started in, uh, I think, last November, so we've been about a year, six months, some of us. And uh, we came together as just a complete grass move- grassroots movement of people volunteering to affect some change in our state. You know, a lot of us were already um, activists in some sort. And... We were just tired of everyone saying, someone should do something, someone should do something. But we we came to the conclusion, a lot of us, that uh, if not me, who? And if not now, when? Now, Emily, what was the main motivator to put the group together? Certainly there are a lot of things that have um, concerned citizens, particularly on the eastern side of the state over the last few years. But was there a particular moment, was there a particular event that really pushed the or- the formation of the group forward? Um, I think that it was the implementation of the, the mandates again. You know, after last summer, it kind of dropped the masking, um, and then everyone started being required to have a vaccine for their jobs. People were losing their jobs left and right over their own creed or their religious beliefs or their moral values. Um, And for a lot of us, that was just a tipping point where we saw it coming and affecting us, our livelihoods, our businesses, our children. Um, And I believe that that was hugely a part that, is why that there are so many people around the state that have kind of really wanted to do something about this, and that's a huge part of why this group was formed. We're speaking with Emily from the Washington State Tea Room here on the Bottom Line News Radio 610-KONA. Now, recently, Emily, um, you got a little bit of attention uh, showing up in Olympia with 30,000 signatures and being turned away. Tell us what the signatures were gathered for, and why were why were was there less of a, a, a reception than hoped for when you arrived at Olympia with those <laughs> affidavits? Well, we we went into this project understanding that our state government was not on our side in this. We went into this project because our state government is not on our side about this. Um, and we understand that there's quite a few representatives still that, that are, but um, a lot of their hands are, are fairly tied in what they can do about it without having a, a movement of the people. Um, and that's what we wanted to give them, was a movement of the people to stand behind. And so going into this um, service, which was on the 4th of March last Friday, 
we we our expectations were that we were probably going to get some guests. I mean, we had been doing research for months um, and speaking to many people, legislative aides and assistants, and and our representatives in our state about serving our state government and and if that was possible, how we could do that, what were the COVID restrictions. Um, and and how we can make this possible. And so we got to a point where we were calling offices and they were all saying, yes, come in. Um, we are we accept service. Go ahead and bring us those documents. And, of course, that day came of service. We started with uh, Patty Murray and Maria Cantwell's office. The lights were on and no one was home. And basically went from there obviously we started calling and leaving messages at all of their offices again and seeing if anyone would pick up i even particularly called their washington dc office to see if anyone would call me back and no one has yet to speak with me i did have one aide call me back from um patty murray's office and she said it was over her head she had to speak with administrators about it and then no one ever returned our call again so moving on from their offices we our team our process servers went down to Olympia. Now, these are legal process servers. They are certified process servers with the state of Washington. Um, so this was a legal service. So they they went down to serve the rest of the six government officials because we were serving Patty Murray, Maria Cantwell, Lori Jenkins, Denny Heck, Bob Ferguson, and Jay Inslee, of course. So they went to go serve the rest of them. And um, Denny Heck's office, with the lieutenant governor, he absolutely, they came out, they accepted service, they signed for it. Um, they were great to deal with, very nice people. Um, and then moving on to Lori Jenkins' office, they would not accept service. They had us take all of their boxes of affidavits to a mail center, and because they, they wanted the mail center to check them for explosives. And those were the, their words exactly. And then coming back, we went to obviously Inslee's office, tried to serve them there. No one would answer. They were in there and they refused to answer. There was calls made by other members of our team um, that were hung up on from Inslee's office. It was not nice to put it in the least. And so we took their boxes down to, of affidavits, took their boxes of affidavits down to um, A.G. Ferguson's office and where they accepted both Ferguson's and Inslee's boxes, but would not sign for them because they said they could only do that electronically now because of COVID. So we're making arrangements to get electronic service uh, records from them. But what this really showed us is because this is the voice of the people. These affidavits are to end the mandates, all any and all mandates, to act for the future and retroactively for the people that were harmed in this. Um, and, and also to produce a forensic audit for the 2020 election because we, we firmly believe that the people in the state of Washington, our government has been committing crimes against our constitutional rights by implementing these mandates on us. And also, we also we firmly believe that we need transparency in our elections, and and a lot of that has been going by the wayside for the past several years, especially in this state. And and we want to return back to the individual rights because really the individual rights are the common good. 
We're talking with Emily from the Washington State Tea Room here on the Bottom Line News Radio six ten K one A. I'm not really surprised that you met with um, with a palm up from Inslee's office or from uh, House right. Speaker Jenkins' office. Um, but let me ask you. I want to go back to Lieutenant Governor Denny Hack for a moment um, because yeah. many have many have said that the Lieutenant Governor is a bit more on the moderate side. Um, was there any conversation about what? they will do with the affidavits or was it simply an acceptance of the affidavits? Thank you for showing up and dropping these off. We'll just take these in here. Uh, Or was there any discussion on what they're going to do with them? No, there wasn't. They, they they accepted service just like they would being served with anything else. Um, Honestly, in conversation that was had over the phone beforehand, they almost seemed excited to be getting involved in something of the people, which was actually refreshing for us to hear because they were the only ones (laughs) um so they accepted service of all of these boxes i mean we you guys we had so many boxes and and collecting all these these there was like 400 affidavits per box now in these boxes and so it was it was extensive but they were very gracious and accepted them just like they would any other service now emily for the washington state tea room what is the next step after this i mean uh you you definitely got on the radar by showing up with the boxes of affidavits the gateway pundit uh did an article regarding the washington state tea room and and the push there what's the next step after these affidavits um, well, the next step is right now, currently, we're waiting to hear back from our government because we extended that branch in good faith that they would reach out to us and, and have a conversation about how we can rectify these um, issues in our state. Um, and the next step is kind of waiting for that process of time to, to pass, and then we will be doing this again if necessary. We we already have the next step ready um, in, in amounts of, of notices and beyond that if we have to go to the next step of doing criminal complaints beyond that we have we're prepared to take this as far as we need to um and get anyone involved that needs to be involved around the state because to us this is the end of the line we're talking with emily from the washington state tea room here on the bottom line news radio 610 k-o-n-a um want to go back to something that you said about a forensic audit um so I just want to ask you what that means. What exactly do you want to see happen? Because Democrats, last I checked, outnumbered Republicans in registration. What is it, four to one in the state? Yeah. Um, and we we get this question a lot. A lot of people, sadly, talking to a lot of people, there's a lot of uh, lack of, of hope in this state for people to say, you know, we, we just don't believe our government is being honest or true to the people, and we don't believe that they're going to change that anytime soon. And for us, anytime we can help somebody through that or anytime we can show specifically or put this in the limelight what, what they're doing and what these people are actually doing is a win. Um, and so for a forensic audit for us would just be at, in the least affecting that push of change and paving this road for the people of this state to be able to 
ask and call for things like that if necessary. But ideally, we would love to see a a redo of our election system. Uh, We would love to see people being able to go to a booth and vote and not everyone being forced to do mail-in ballots where their deceased grandma is also voting for them. Um, We would love to see people have accountability in our elections where they're signing off on these um, ballots that they're counting instead of just going through a machine that's owned by who, who knows who. You know what I mean? Like this is this is the transparency and that not just conservative Republicans deserve, but we all deserve in the state, no matter who you are. I tell everyone that I speak with, if you would not want a government you disagree with to enact laws, then you should never agree with a government you agree with to do that to you as well. Because once you set that precedent, you have lost those rights. So for us, it is setting a precedence of taking this power back to the individual, back to the people of Washington State. We're talking with Emily from the Washington State Tea Room here on the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA. Um, Emily, have you, how many legislators have you spoken with? How many legislators has your group spoken with? And how many have you found to be receptive on this subject? Um, several. We find quite a few that are receptive. Um, Jim Walsh actually came out that day um, and spoke with our process servers. And, you know, it seems like a lot of them are also pretty frustrated about the situation that they're in and what they're having to deal with consistently day in and day out. I'm in Spokane, so I'm, I'm an East Sider. Um, and so I try to speak with my representatives over here about stuff like this. Uh, and a lot of them have really echoed the same sentiment, like, I would love to support you, but we need to be able to have this movement tangibly in our hands to say, see, look what the people are doing. This is what the people are doing. Because a lot of them, for them to stick their neck out in our state government like this would, would almost be like political suicide, and then they'd never get another bill passed. So for us, it was super important to support our representatives that are supporting this by putting in this time and and making this movement happen. Emily from the Washington State Tea Room, if anyone's interested in learning more about your group, maybe even getting involved, where can they go? Um, Well, we just started a Facebook, Washington State Tea Room. If anyone is on Facebook, we're actually in the middle of up our website but if you'd like to be involved you're more than welcome to email us at washington room at gmail.com um we're getting an influx of emails obviously lately so please be patient with us we'll try to get back to you but we operate um strictly our groups throughout the state we operate on telegram and you will not find our group if you if you look there by invite only because these are action groups um, we share news maybe that's pertinent around the state to what we're doing, but we're just hundreds of people that break off into counties and that have been holding signing events for these affidavits to end the mandates and to produce a forensic audit for the 2020 election. And we've been doing this. The first event I held last the beginning of last December. So we've been doing this since then. And this is what we're looking for. We're looking for leaders. We're looking for people that really want to be involved Um in, in making the rest of this mission happen and, and being a part of hopefully pushing back in the state for, for the individual rights. 
Emily, appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, best of luck with, with the mission. Thank you so much. And hopefully we talk to you again soon. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Emily from the Washington State Tea Room joining us here on the Bottom Line News Radio 610 KONA. Take a quick time out. Back with more. Still got a lot to break down, including the uh, the announcement that was we uh, 12 days in coming uh, earlier today. Uh, President Magoo yeah. dropping the obvious. But we'll touch on that when we get back, along with a number of other aspects of the day's events. Speak your piece. Call 509-547-1610. More of The Bottom Line, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610 KONA. It is The Bottom Line here on News Radio 610 KONA. And I want to thank the Washington Tea Room for uh, joining us here uh, on The Bottom Line. Uh, Rob and Greg with you. Uh, and uh, we've got a lot to get to. And uh, we're still, I think, going to touch on Russell Wilson. Yes, Rob? Well, we talked a bit about uh, the Russell Wilson trade. Of course, uh, you know, I'd be interested to see what our friends at Perfection Tire think about that. I think they're uh, certainly big Seahawk fans over there. And, of course, people have been fans of Perfection Tire for nearly 60 years uh, as they have been taking care of your vehicles, your parents' vehicles, your grandparents' vehicles, and they'll take care of your kids' and grandkids' vehicles as well. Huge selection of tires, every make and model for every vehicle on the road here in the Tri-Cities, as well as a huge line of services and customer service that you can't beat. When you walk into Perfection Tire, you feel like a member of the family because that's how they treat you. So check out their website, perfectiontire.com. See the selection of tires as well as the list of services, and then pop into one of those four locations and get top-notch customer service from the best in town, Perfection Tire and perfectiontire.com. So it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I I think uh, personally that I don't trust Pete Carroll and John Schneider to do the right thing with those picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen enough from them over the last number of years um, that with a quarterback that has the skill level of Russell Wilson, they have not successfully put talent around him. Um, they sat back on their laurels of hitting on a couple of sixth-round picks mm-hmm. and winning a Super Bowl, and have not done what is necessary to maintain that product. They were beneficiaries of a weak division for a long time, uh, and now that the rest of the division is caught up to them, they are falling back. And trading Russell Wilson does not make them better, obviously. It makes them a worse team, and it gives them something they haven't had in a decade, and that's questions at the quarterback position. Um so we'll see what happens with the picks. If, if John Schneider and Pete Carroll turn around and turn those picks into gold, um, good on them. Uh, I'm trying to remember the last time they hit on the last time they hit on a first round pick was Earl Thomas, and he's not in the league anymore. So that tells you how long ago that was. Hmm. Um, Bobby Taylor, Bobby Wagner was the second round pick. Russell Wilson was the third round pick. DK Metcalf's only just finished year two, so it's really it's a little too early to say how that first round pick worked out. Hmm. Tyler Lockett is not an elite wide receiver in the NFL. Okay, uh, James Carpenter not in the league anymore. So last second round pick they hit on Bobby Wagner. I don't have the confidence that the two of them are going to take those picks and turn them into what they need to. Uh, in order to make the Seahawks a competitive team again. In the meantime, Russell Wilson 
will be throwing to Jerry Judy, amongst others. Yes. In Denver, he's going to have a smorgasbord of talent at at the receiving positions and an offensive line. The bottom line, the only place that cares what you think. Call in now, 509-547-1610. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA, 509-547-1610. Our number if you'd like to get involved in the program. Also via email, 610-KONA.com. Bottom line page, your name where you're listening, what you'd like to say, the mobile app through Google Play and the Apple stores. Of course, we're on Twitter, Bottom Line 610 Getter as well, and Facebook at the Bottom Line 610. Jason Hogue, agent with American Family Insurance. You can reach out to him today. If you're not happy with your current policies, be it life insurance, homeowners, small business, farm insurance, or you don't think there's quite enough there with your auto insurance policies, They've got adult and teen safe driver programs. They have the Know Your Drive program as well. Jason Hogan, American Star Certified Agent with American Family Insurance, named, by the way, by J.D. Power & Associates as the number one midsize insurer for customer service in the nation. American Family Insurance and Jason Hogue, reach out to him today to set up an appointment at jasonhogue.com. Rob, may I interject on something? Go right ahead, Greg. Please. Well, when we uh, came back on that that music that we just heard, I want to say how nice and yacht-rocky it was for the very first part. It was so it was like listening to a Mason Williams tune. It was very pleasant. And then it goes into this weird guitar bass riff and stuff. It just it, it shocked my eardrums. I, I I I I liked half of it. I didn't like the other half. Well, you're going to have to learn to deal with it, I guess. I'm just wondering. I mean, why, the, the first part's wonderful. It's it's easy listening. It's like driving an Oldsmobile. Why can't we have more or less stuff like that? How many Oldsmobiles do you see on the road today? Oh, there's many. They, they were built very well. How many Oldsmobiles do you see on the road today? Um, I saw one earlier today. It was an 81 Omega. Things evolve, Greg. Do they? Yes. Except for one period of time. What's that? 80s rock. Uh, well, I don't listen to much 80s rock these I days. I noticed. Yeah. No, no, no. I've noticed. I you know, you to... know who else doesn't listen to much? Who? I don't think he listens to much. I don't think he reads much. I don't think he comprehends much. Oh, and that is, And that is President Magoo. Ah, okay. Yes, President Magoo. Earlier today, he did what people have been calling for since the beginning, and he, he banned U.S. imports on Russian oil and gas. Now... He did tell us that it's going to hit us in the pocket. Of course, if you were driving by some gas stations in the Tri-Cities today, you saw four fifty-nine a gallon. Um, so that the, the prices at the pump have been hitting long before Russia went into the Ukraine. Uh, it's not a Russia-Ukraine problem. It's a Joe Biden and his administration problem more so than anything else. Uh, so instead of, once again, increasing our own domestic production... Uh, President Magoo was talking to Venezuela because they're a peachy group of people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Maduro is a fabulous individual who we certainly want to give money to. Oh, yes. Uh, and then, of course, you know, talking to the Middle East about getting OPEC to increase production as oil, by the way, topped $120 per barrel mm-hmm. yesterday. And yet we have groundswells of it here. Uh, yes. In the meantime, we have much. And, and whatever Jen Psaki wants to say about leases not being used, uh, obviously the, the, the press secretary has no idea 
the process mm-hmm. and what goes into getting a permit to lease, not to mention uh, that's only the beginning of the process. It usually takes years to finally be able to get to stick something into the ground. Uh, but, of course, they've frozen most of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by law, they have to grant leases. Okay, But that doesn't mean those leases necessarily get to be used in a timely manner, because if they freeze domestic production and they put a hold on the actual implementation of things, it really doesn't make much of a difference how many leases they grant. Hmm. So the, the energy sector, particularly the oil sector, shot back today at assertions from the Biden administration. Uh, And by the way, less domestic production in 2021 than in 2020, 2019, and 2018. Less domestic production. Those numbers were released today. None of this has to pinch as much as it does. It doesn't have to unless they want it to, and And they want it to. I guess that, yeah. Well, they do want it to. The Russia war is a convenient excuse when it comes to this. but, But here's the other issue, Greg. When you have people calling for increased domestic production, and Nancy Pelosi says, well, we're going to ban Russian oil, but we're not going to increase domestic production, you don't care about the impact. No, you really don't. On regular people. You don't care about the impact on the consumer. Because, Nancy, you'll be fine. And many of the elites will be fine. Hmm. But the working class individual is going to be screwed. No, of course they are. Particularly in a blue state where they tend to have the highest gas prices anyway. Yeah. You know, it is interesting. Uber and Lyft, uh, the rideshare companies, they're having trouble keeping their drivers on board. Wonder why. Uh, It's simply because, quite frankly, they can't afford the gas anymore, especially around Seattle. So you want all these Uber and Lyft drivers to take you off in their Toyota Prius hybrids. Well, guess what? It's still expensive for them, too, and they're losing drivers left and right. I I can't say I blame the drivers. Why would you do that? It's a losing proposition. It's a losing proposition to drive right now, and I drive a four-cylinder. Trust me, I know. You know... As we continue to watch this charade play out, the only reason why Joe Biden banned the import of Russian oil, because remember, this was the last thing. Everything else, there were all kinds of bans on other things, but not Russian oil. Nope. So this was the last thing. And the reason why he did it wasn't because he wanted to. It wasn't because he's standing on a moral and ethical ground. It's because the only color that's going to be seen in November of this year is red. Hmm. It's going to literally be a bloodbath in the midterms. Yeah, it is. Especially if things get worse. If you go back and look historically at midterm elections, heck, go back and look at any election, when you've got gas prices as high as they are, which they've never been, by the way, mm-hmm. this is the highest gas prices yeah, they, have Washington ever been. State has hit the highest average price we've ever seen. The, the national average is the highest it's ever been, Greg. It's now $4.12. Yep. That's two cents higher than the previous record, which was 2008, when he was the number two fiddle in the country behind Barry O. Inflation hasn't been this high since Carter. Do Democrats really think they've got a message? No, they, they don't. can spin this no. in any way, shape, or form. There's no way. 
In the uh, long term, it might help them, shall we say, weed out their progressive wing just a little bit. No. It might help them cover when uh, the AOCs of the world start squawking. But keep this in mind. Hmm. And this is the difference between the House and the Senate. The House is comprised of districts. The Senate are statewide races. Statewide, you've got a very slim chance, with the exception of a couple of states, mm-hmm. and they tend to be small, sending a socialist slash progressive to D.C. But in House districts, you have the opportunity to actually grow that because they are significantly smaller. Yes, they are. And the representation fluctuates and ideology fluctuates. So, for example, five years ago, Ilhan Omar would have never gotten elected to Congress. No, she would not have. Okay. But because of the influx of population in her district and the ideological bent that's grown there, she gets elected. Same thing with AOC, same thing with Ayanna Presley, same thing with Rashida Tlaib. Yeah, makes you want to heave, yeah. So in some of these areas, you are going to elect socialists. Yeah, it's going to happen. Because that's where the ideology is. They may very well in South Texas. I'm watching uh, that race between Henry Cuellar and the the, the squad wannabe uh, uh, play out there. Is that her name? Yeah. Uh, But here's the other part of this. It's the purple districts Mm -hmm. that are being fought for. It's not the deep blue district that's being fought for. Now, Democrats may be trying to fight in the deep blue district to get somebody more moderate elected, mm-hmm. but the deep blue district and the deep red district are not the ones in play. No, the ones not. in play are the ones that have the 52 to 48 balance, the 56 to 44 balance. Those are the ones that are in play Well, because those are the ones decided by independence. That's very true. However, it doesn't stop Bernie Sanders and his ilk from trying to go ahead and primary every single moderate or conservative Democrat. He's trying. You're right. I mean, Joe Manchin will get a primary challenger, most likely. No, he won't. Not in West Virginia. Well, Kirsten Sinema will. She may, but here's the thing. But Joe Joe Manchin is not going to get a Bernie Sanders-esque challenger in West Virginia because they will fail miserably. Well, they they may very well do it anyway. That's never stopped Bernie before. But but they're they're going to get nowhere. And and the DNC will not throw any money at that race. No, it won't, but his pack will. But the goal is to win. Of course. And Bernie Sanders knows he's not beating Joe Manchin with a socialist in West Virginia. It's not going to happen. Hasn't stopped him from making the threat. Threats are words. Okay. Actions are what matter. And so you will not see a socialist gain any kind of ground at all in West Virginia. And if Bernie Sanders wants to urinate money away (laughs) on a failed attempt... To unseat Joe Manchin, maybe he could unseat him, but it'll be a Republican that gets elected. It won't be a socialist. West Virginia, the only the only vested standing of West Virginia's Reagan Democrat past is Joe Manchin. That's yeah. it. Everything else is Republican in West Virginia, and you can thank Barack Obama for that. Well, when they went after the energy sector, they lost West Virginia. Oh, by the way, they also lost Ohio. Yeah. We know that, and that's playing out right now. So as they continue this battle and pushing in Jay Inslee's cockamamie belief that wind farms are the future Mm. because the wind blows not constantly anywhere. (laughs) Maybe in Oklahoma. It's that that 
perverse idea mm-hmm. of satisfying the energy grid that is going to continue to cost Democrats because they truly are in love with ideas that aren't practical and don't impact the lives of regular Americans who get up for work every day, mm-hmm. have to fill up their car at the gas station because they can't afford a Tesla or any other electric vehicle, because it's reliable transportation, and there are more gas stations than there are charging stations per capita anywhere. They continue to believe in this pipe dream that is going to pan out to be nothing. But in the meantime, they're going to cripple people, cripple their economy, because they want to. They want to make a point, of course. But it's not about a point. They want to fundamentally change things. They want socialism, yes. There's no question. Bernie has admitted as such. Yes, well... At least he's honest about it. Look, this is a guy that praised Castro. I agree. He's a horrible man. Not a fan of his. I can't say if he's a horrible man. I think his policy ideas are caca. Mm. And being a socialist is caca. I, you know what? I, I can forgive a lot of things. I can't forgive hypocrisy. I've, have I told you the story of my encounter with Bernie? No, I don't think you've regaled us with that. Okay. Sherman set the Wayback Machine for 2015. I was in Bakersfield, California. Was I in Bakersfield? Yeah, I was in Bakersfield. And Bernie Sanders came... I'm sorry, you know what? Not 2015, 2018. I was in Bakersfield, California. Bernie was still running for president. Kern County, California is somewhat... It's a Democrat, but it's it's, it's a conservative Democratic stronghold here. Uh, this is Kevin McCarthy's district, as a matter of fact. Having said that, good old Burn dropped by for a campaign appearance because he was still running for president. He was still a viable candidate. He showed up at the local amphitheater where the press was all gathered and people were all coming out to see him. He showed up in what kind of vehicle do you think he would show up in? Bernie? Yeah. Um... Not a Ferrari. No, not a Ferrari. He showed up in not just one, but four GMC Yukon XLs. Those would be gas guzzlers. Those would be huge gas guzzlers. And uh, his whole convoy of GMC, not just you know, not just a Chevrolet, uh, not just the base Chevrolet model, but a GMC Yukon XL, probably with a V8 engine, four of them. And I'm like, hey, Burn. Where's where's the clean energy there? I don't see it. So, you know, not for thee, but for me. Well, and course. the minute I saw that, Same the minute I, I saw him drive up, I lost whatever shred of respect I had for him. I ran into him once before in Montana when I was covering things. It, <laughs> Bernie was in Montana. Bernie was in Montana. That was a very, that's a whole, I could do a whole show on <laughs> I that. I could see Bernie on a cowboy hat. It was in Butte, Montana, and he was, he was speaking for the, uh, the guy who was running for Congress. The guy who was running for Congress lost, by the way. Yeah, they got killed. Yeah, Is he name, running against Gianforte? Uh, Gianforte. Yeah, Gianforte. Greg Gianforte. He's now the governor, by the way. Uh, yes, who is now the governor. But uh, his guy, the guy's name was Rob Quist. And he was apparently an, uh, a B-country singer or something like that from the 1970s. I don't know. I should know these things. But he was a socialist. In uh, I don't know what he was. But the point was, somebody pointed out to him that, uh, hey, 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 Rob, you're supposed to take your cowboy hat off when you walk into a, indoors. You're supposed to take that off. And, you know, he wore it. He was a clown. He was an absolute clown. He was sitting there in this televised debate with a cowboy hat on. Anyway, Bernie came to speak for him at this hall in Butte, Butte, Montana. 
And I, I was just watching it, and I'm like, you know, Burn, you're way, way out of your element here. Just out of curiosity, mm-hmm. were you the guy that Gianforte punched? No, I was not. Oh, okay. I was close to it. But I was not him. That was a guy from the Guardian. What? Okay. Greg has gotten angry at me a few times. Uh, I just wasn't sure if you were the guy. I may very well have kept him out of the governor's mansion for the first time. But you know, it's kind of interesting. It just goes to show you a great political tact: punch a reporter and become governor. Well, that that didn't work the first time. But anyway, (laughs) well, he didn't punch you. No, he didn't punch me. But he punched somebody else. That's right. And he became governor. Congressman. Eventually, he became. Governor. I can tell you the whole story if you want, and I'll put it in perspective for you. But it, it may be it may be national for a while. We got some emails to read when we come back. Bottom line: News Radio six ten the KONA. The unassaulted Greg Neff. I know how to duck. Okay, I'm very nimble. Don't you worry. Bob Brands is back with you to wrap up Tuesday's program after this. Can't get in by phone? Give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610kona.com. Back to the bottom line presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610kona. About a few moments, bottom line, News Radio 610kona, Tuesday afternoon. A couple of messages to share. Dean in Kennewick said what President Magoo really wants is to guarantee that Iran will have enough money to complete their nuclear weapons. I don't disagree, Dean. And James in Kennewick, geez, I just passed the gas station diesel was 529 where i can't even afford to go to work maybe that's what they want where is this i don't know he didn't say where okay he didn't say the gas station he passed just said he passed the gas station and diesel was 529 i mean i'm giving daily updates on my nearby gas station on my facebook page well that's nice yeah i mean just so people know that's the gas station that's right off the highway exit yeah yeah which is going to probably be higher than the one that's two miles away, well, yeah, not I, off the highway. I'm all about convenience. I don't. You know. I understand that, but yeah. that could be a slightly erroneous model. You might want to compare a couple of them, some that might not be right off of a highway exit. You're such a consumerist. Yes, <laughs> I am. Yes, I am. Very much so. Um, Good coffee, though. That's that's the most important thing. Well, and so you get the coffee there and the gas somewhere else. I will be interested to see, however, where uh, the traditionally cheapest place in town happens to be uh, when I go get gas there what, this weekend. What is the most traditionally Costco. Cheap? No, actually, there's a few places in Pasco I found that'll beat Costco. Well, tell me where they are. Uh, they're, they're just north of downtown. That little, what was the called? The, the, the sunset sunshine Mart. What is that little place? What, 10th and a. Yeah. Okay. No, no. North, north of downtown, north of downtown. I think it's on fourth. It's that convenience store just below the one eighty two. on fourth or is it 20th? Probably 20th. I, I need to learn math better, but you know. Anyway, there's there's those two places that are like right downtown Pasco. I find yeah, there. Well, maybe fourth would be closer to downtown than twenty. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, they're they're pretty cheap there. Okay, well, I'll have to look. But usually, I'll hit Costco, get everything done and taken care of, and then get gas at Costco. Usually, they're a little bit cheaper than everybody else, but we'll find out this weekend. Because when I was driving in this morning, I saw four fifty nine and. Mm-hmm. Never seen it that high here in Washington State. Sounds like a buddy road trip. Want to go together? 
Well, you wouldn't be going together with two separate cars, Greg. Wow. Oh. It'd be a little tough. I guess. But I'm sure you could call me on the phone. Oh, call. I will. Don't worry. 